Sims the freshman. Sims had to hustle it, and he's got it to give. He handles in. Oh, man, give. Touchdown. And now going for the end zone, and caught for the touchdown by Zay Flowers. Oh, he's coming pressure. He spins out of it. Now he's got to get rid of it. Has a receiver open to the end zone, and a touchdown. Into the boundary, Fitzpatrick juggled it, and it is intercepted. Divine Diablo comes away with the carol. And welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined, as always, by Jason Gibbs. Jason, how are you doing today? Dan, absolutely great. Hey, man, what an episode. What a guest we're going to have on. Can't wait. Today we are joined by Pitt wide receiver coach and basically one of the most intriguing people in the sport of college football, and that is Brennan Marion. Brennan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Just enjoying my Sunday. I appreciate you guys having me on. I appreciate you coming on. This is going to be great. Um, like I said, I'm just very intriguing. Uh, you, great story that you've got. Uh, innovative mind. You know, you develop all these offensive concepts that have really been adapted by the most respected NFL coaches, you know, rising up quickly through the coaching ranks. So very much appreciate your time. I think the first thing I'll ask is we'll start with a little bit of your story because I don't know if you guys who are listening know, but um, Coach Marion has a very unique way of how he got to the point where he is today. And we'll start with high school, which was obviously a very difficult time. You know, he had a variety of personal hardships and, you know, I, I read you didn't even play a full year of football to your senior year. So, but then you excelled at that point. So how much did all that just add up everything that happened in high school and finally being able to play senior year, a full season, just make football so meaningful to you? Yeah, it was, it was really important just to get an opportunity to, to finally be in a safe environment and get a chance to play. Um, I transferred my senior year, the end of my junior year, going to my senior year to a school that was, uh, you know, a really, really good school as far as, you know, it was a safe environment and not a city school, uh, you know, the type of schools that I had been in, in the city of Pittsburgh. So I went outside to Greensburg, Salem, and it really gave me an opportunity just to be in a safe space and an opportunity to play multiple sports and, you know, play football, basketball and, and run track and, um, it was just a great experience that me and my mom got to experience after all the stuff that we dealt with in the city, you know, growing up in the city and, you know, moving every year and being evicted and getting in fights and people passing away that you're close to, you know, it was just a lot of different things going on. But, you know, that my senior year was very special from the standpoint that um, I was able just to focus on sports and school and, you know, really just took off and excelled once I got the opportunity to do that. Coach, you ended up going the JUCO route and left your hometown Pittsburgh to go to California. And you found yourself having to scramble for a place to sleep each night and just various hardships. Take us through the contrast emotionally of how things were going so well on the field, but kind of so difficult off the field. Yeah, I think, uh, Anytime you talk about California junior college system, I wasn't the only guy who was, you know, going through that same scenario. A lot of the guys that came from out of state were homeless or, you know, uh, staying at different people's houses, just trying to find a way to like make their dream happen. And I think the, 
unique thing for me was, you know, my uncle passed away when I was a freshman in junior college and I came home and there was a, you know, like an old, you know, guy that was, you know, and has been or whatever said, I knew you'd be back home just like the rest of the guys. And that kind of motivated me like, man, I'm, I'm going to stay out there no matter what, no matter how hard it is. Like, I'm just going to figure it out and find a way to get it done. And, you know, I just never complained and just just found a way. I mean, there's a lot of good people who helped me, you know, throughout that process. And, you know, when people are helping you, it's hard to to give up and quit when you're working so hard. You know, I worked out seven days a week and I remember photocopying people's books, you know, because I couldn't afford books. And just doing whatever it took to make sure, like, you know, when you sleep in a hallway or you sleep outside under the bleachers and you sleep, you know, in a press box, different places that I slept, training room, you know, it's like I didn't do all this to quit or give up. And, you know, finally, the light at the end of the tunnel, I got a scholarship to the University of Tulsa and it all worked out. But, you know, it was definitely, you know, the mentality was just like, I'm not going back home. And no matter what I have to go through here, I'm going to find a way to get it done. And the great thing is you eventually didn't land back home, but for a much different reason, now you're coaching at the FBS power conference level. So much different than what I guess he expected, but yeah, take me through, you know, you landed at Tulsa and we all, we all love to talk about the fact that you have the NCAA single season record for most yards per reception, 31.9. So, you know, you've, you've accomplished a lot at your young age. Where do you think this one ranks? Um, that was big just from the standpoint of like everything that Coach Malzon and Coach Norvell and Coach Graham, you know, all those big time coaches that were at Tulsa when I was there. Um, everything that we talked about happened, you know, it was kind of like there's power in words, you know, like when I went to junior college and said I would make it and became like a Juco All-American all stuff. And then when I go to Tulsa and Coach Malzon's like, you're going to be one of the best players in the country. You're going to set all these records. And we did, you know, we were like the first offense in the history of college football to have a 5,000-yard passer, 3,000-yard receivers, and a 1,000-yard rusher. We won more games than I think Tulsa had ever won in the history of, uh, of like, you know, in the recent history. Um, so, you know, that was kind of the thing that was just like, you know, all that stuff came true with the work. And, and then you look at the end of the season and go, damn, I'm about to set like the crazy, one of the craziest records. You know, my goal was always just to average, like, whatever Randy Moss did. He, I think he averaged, like, 22 or 23 yards a catch. I just wanted to beat, beat him because that was my favorite receiver and, you know, and help the team win. So, you know, it just it was like, wow, you know, to think that you could do something like that an entire season. You know, a lot of people can do that for a few games, but to do it an entire season is, you know, special. You know, that's, that's interesting because you're just talking about the power of words. You – you let the power of words motivate you on one end of the spectrum and you kind of let them lift you up on the other end. So a lot to be said for, you know, choosing your words carefully and choosing the right words to, especially when you're uh, talking about trying to climb the mountain, so to speak. No doubt. I mean, I'm a big Jeremiah 29:11 guy. I just feel like there's a great plan for you, you know, not like average or mediocre and, when, when that happened, when that happened, it was really like, man, wow. You know, like a few years before that, I wasn't even playing football, you know, and then I'm like, they're talking about me as like the top receiver in the country. You know, it was crazy. Yeah. And so 
you set the record, you're kind of on, on the high, you're on the mountain top, right? And then unfortunately the ACL tear happened on the final play of your final game at Tulsa. So you go from a projected second round pick to undrafted. How does that resonate with you now, now that you're you know, 33 and living the dream, but as a coach and not a player? Well, at the time, I had never been hurt. So it was definitely a traumatic experience. Um, and anytime you go from, I mean, like I was projected to leave my junior year. I could have left my junior year and got drafted. Um, and then, you know, as my senior year was going around, I'm like 30 agents came into my house. I mean, like it was like, you know, a lot, a lot going on. You know, everybody was expecting me to be, like you said, a second, maybe even first round pick. So that was definitely traumatic when they told me that I tore my ACL. I, mean, I remember waking up the next day going like, I'm not hurt and trying to walk and run and just couldn't do it. So, you know, just trying to figure out how did it, how did it make sense for me? I mean, I fought back and got myself to a position where the Dolphins, you know, ultimately signed me. And then I made it to, you know, being with the first team group, you know, and Bill Parcells and, uh, Jeff Ireland, Coach Sperano, telling me that I'm going to make the team and, you know, I'm going to, everything's going to be good. And then, boom, turn my ACL again in camp. And so, you know, from my aspect of it, it's like I couldn't control that, but everything that I could control as far as my work ethic, being a great teammate and having the talent to be at that level, I, I, I had it. You know, I just couldn't obviously stay healthy with my knee, you know, just the way that my body was set up or whatever uh, that I just couldn't you know, overcome the knee injury. So, you know, I tried again and tore it again. So, you know, I went like three years in a row with doing rehab every day, you know, just trying to keep rehabbing and getting back. But when I started coaching, it just, it really removed like the player thing from me. Cause I was always a person who brought people together, a team captain. And, you know, like I always had kids living with me at my house. Like we took in kids that were you know, in shelters and stuff when I was in high school with my mom. And so, you know, my grandma, my grandfather, community activists, you know, so it was kind of just like, that was always my thing of being around people and bringing people together. So when I started coaching, I was just like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I felt like I had a purpose, you know, being a player, there's a lot of anxiety, you know, being a player, whereas as a coach, I didn't feel any of that. And now as a coach, you know, you're looking back at your own story and maybe you have players in similar boats as you were, whether it's people living their high school and early college hardships like you did, or even a situation where somebody's, you know, they, they're, they're a big NFL prospect and they like, you weren't the only one that got injured like that. That's there's a lot of stories like that. So what, what would you say is the main lesson you learned that you could pass on to the players you coach who were in similar boats that you were that at that point. Yeah. If you ever see me now as a coach, I, I have the most fun that you can possibly have with the guys. And as a coach that you can have without, you know, like being over the top being, you know, like it's very authentic, you know, because the one thing when I was a player, I had so many of the people dependent on me, you know, cause uh, we were poor, you know, like we didn't have much. So everybody was dependent on me to make it. And I was so serious all the time, you know, like I was on a billboard, I was in Sports Illustrated, all these different things. And I don't even have like a copy of it. Like, I don't even know where that stuff is at because 
I was just like, man, I got to make it. I got to make money. I got to be serious. I got to be, you know, like I really never enjoyed the moment, you know? So the biggest thing that I tell my players is just like live in the moment, have fun. Like you can't do this forever. You know, hopefully they can all play to their, you know, they want to play as long as they can. But, you know, the biggest thing that you'll, you'll see for me and the guys will see like, yeah, I'm, I'm challenging and I'm a tough coach. I'm old school. Um, even though I'm young, but at the same time, like we have a lot, a lot of fun. You know, we, we make sure that I really make sure that they enjoy the moment of everything that comes with football, you know, all the good things that you get from being a football player. Um, I make sure that they enjoy it. You're, you're known for the unique style of offense called the go-go offense. So Take us through the basic principles of it. Basic principles, it's a, we're a two-back power run, you know, West Coast triple option, play-action shot team. I mean, we really want to control the game with putting the two running backs in the backfield side-by-side side and make the defense show their hand. And we want to go fast and be up-tempo and be a physical run team and throw the ball deep down the field. And – you know, that, that really just came from when I was a high school coach and it kind of took off when I became a college coach. But, you know, the, the basic principles of it was I really wanted to run option stuff. You know, I, I was I was around De La Salle High School when I was in the Bay Area coaching and they won everything all the time and they ran split back beer. But I was like, there's no way that I'm going to run split back beer and be boring and be under center, you know, Um and I still want to keep the passing game element to the offense. So we just put, uh, you know, the back side by side and we can do every run in football, but we can turn it into an option. You, you know, we can make it an option with uh, the quarterback, the extra running back, the receivers, the tight end. Like we found ways to, you know, make everything an option where the reason why I did that was I took over the worst programs. And I took over one that was the worst in the state of California and one that was the worst in the state of Pennsylvania as a high school coach. And the number one thing you lack is offensive linemen. So I had to find a way for us to still move the ball down the field and score points without having a great offensive line. And the option game is what, what allows you to do that. You know, so that's why you saw a team like Coastal Carolina and, you know, Navy and those guys with smaller linemen still have success in FBS football you know, because they're running the option. Was the type of player you were and kind of your experiences as a player on the field, was that critical in developing that philosophy that you have? Um, I think the biggest thing that helped me in developing my own uh, style of offense is being around a guy like Gus Malzahn and Todd Graham that came from the high school level and have had all the success that they've had as college coaches. Uh, because seeing them, you know, and hearing their stories about how they were high school coaches and how they started off coaching middle school football and all that. It led me to spark that in my mind. Like, you know, a lot of guys want to just go GA at the best program and, you know, and that's fine. I mean, there's guys who do that and have a lot of success, but for me, I wanted to create my own thing. So I went to the lowest programs and created my own thing and it's worked out for me and, and my way, everybody has a different path, but you know, for me, being around those guys gave me the confidence to create my own kind of style of offense. So coach, how do you, how do you see this offensive scheme as a, as a catalyst for changing the game? Cause I think back to, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
you were uh, coaching on the Howard team that upset UNLV, correct? Yes, I was those. Yeah, and that I, and that's one of the, if not the biggest upsets as far as point spreads in college football history. So, just just talk a, a little bit about how that offensive scheme and can be a catalyst for changing a game, e- even when you're seemingly against insurmountable odds, so to speak. Well, you know, I always look at things from like. I really study history and study study every coach and pay attention to the way the, the game trends are. And, you know, like, no disrespect to, to Lincoln Riley, but at, at, he was at East Carolina, and, you know, he was, a, he was a, a decent young coach, right? And people knew him as a decent young coach. He's pretty good, had potential. Mm-hmm. And then he went to Oklahoma, and he just becomes, you know, like the greatest thing since sliced bread. And really how that happens right. is because he, he had the linemen, right? He had the skill players. He had everything. He had all the puzzle pieces. So now he's able to put his creativity that he was using to get himself up to where he was at, you know, that creativity used to get there. Now it's able to display plus the creativity plus having the talent. And I think when you look at me and, and if you really look at the track record of at the programs I've been at, Pitt is really the first program that I've been at that we have like, some 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 real talent as far as you know the structure of the the players and the program history but when I was a high school coach like I said I took over the worst programs in the state and then when I was in college nobody even knew Howard had a football team before like coach London and we got there and we kind of did our thing you know and no disrespect to Howard or you know but that's just what it was I mean that's why the point ups you know that's why everybody said it was the biggest upset in culture about history because everybody's like who the hell is Howard like you know the stars, but they, they nobody knew them for football, you know. And then when I went to William and Mary, they were the last ranked offense in in FCS football, and we were able to immediately flip the points around. So if you look at it, you know, like uh, the high school teams that I went from they couldn't score a touchdown to scoring thirty and forty points per game, and then you go to the college level at FCS programs, and even against FBS programs, you know, like. At Howard, we put up 700 yards and 30-some points on Ohio, who had just won the MAC championship the year before. You know, and we had like a 225-pound right tackle, you know, two close to 400-pound centers, two 250-pound guards. Like, we only had six or seven linemen total on our team. I mean, and we were able to compete with guys that were, you know, you look at Jaquez Ezzard, who – who lit the world on fire at Sam Houston State this year, he did the same thing for us at Howard. He was a back-to-back All-American. The only school that he had in, that had interest in him was Howard. Kalen Newton, same thing. He he broke, like, every freshman quarterback record there is at in 2017 at Howard, and he was a walk-on to Howard. You know, so it was just like the offense gives you the ability to be really, really special, but I haven't even done it with, you know, elite level talent yet. So when that, when that opportunity occurs, I, I think that it'll really, really take off. I mean, it's, it's taken off from the standpoint because people see like, wow, you can, like there wasn't a team that we played that didn't think like, oh man, we got to, we got to really prepare for these dudes. Like, and we had a chance to win at the end of each game, even at schools where it's like, you know, you got to go out there and go back in the thing and pray a couple of times. Cause you're like, man, they're so much bigger than us. They're so much faster than us, but you got to make the kids believe in it. <laughs> 
and and give them an opportunity to win. And I think that's what the offense does. It gives you a chance to 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 be really really explosive in the run game and the pass game. There's no like, okay, we're just a great run team, but not a great pass team. I mean, it's it's really balanced. I'm just wondering, you know, I see you very vocal on social media and you even wrote a book about your offense. So I'm wondering, you know, some coaches are very secretive about their styles and what their philosophies are. Why do you decide to be so open about yours? Um, I just think that it's kind of bigger than me. I think the minority coach uh, really has just accepted the position coach role a lot of the times. Um, and I was just blessed to be able to get to a point with the quality of what the players did, you know, because I didn't do anything. I'm a coach. You know what I mean? I did the, the X's and O's and stayed up all night and make sure I put them in a position to win. But the players made the plays and made it happen. And it put me on a platform and a stage to say something and speak, you know, and a lot of people have a lot of questions. And sometimes it's easier for me just to tweet what their question is. So the 30 or 40 other people who ask me the same question can get the answer. And I just feel like there's a lot of great minority coaches out there, but for whatever reason, they don't get the opportunities. And, you know, I, I just want people to understand and know that, you know, that you, you can, you can dream big and you can have an opportunity to call plays at the major college level and you can become a head coach and a coordinator. And I've seen guys, you know, the Mike London's of the world. I worked with Mike London. And, and been around a lot of great minority coaches, just just coaches in general, you know, like, for example, you know, seeing Gus go from being a high school coach to being all the success he had at Auburn. And now he's at UCF and, you know, just all the different guys that I've been around, they were vocal, you know, like they're not Twitter vocal, you know, like they're from an older generation, uh, but their office is always packed with different coaches and high school coaches and guys that want to learn. Um, so I think that the older generation may not be like, you know, gung ho about all that stuff, but at the same time, they are vocal as well. They just, they're just vocal in a different way. You know, they might meet at a golf course with a whole bunch of coaches. They might meet, you know, in their, in their office with a whole bunch of coaches. But if you look at it, Nick Saban had a ton of videos when he was out there young as a coach. Coach Malzon did. I mean, there's a lot of guys. If you look back and go through the archives of videos, you know, they're doing all that stuff, selling books and selling videos and doing all those things to, to get themselves to the forefront of college football when they did something well. So, you know, it's the same thing. You, you have to network. You have to you have to put yourself out there. You can't be fear, afraid of failure. And I really just think, it, you know, there's a lot of guys depending on me and looking at me like, man, you got to you got to you got to get up there for us. You got to you know, there's a lot of, you know, obviously, you know, I have a huge following of people that really want to see me make it to the top of college football. And that's my goal. So that's kind of that's kind of how I, why, why I put stuff out there and why I'm really not afraid to, to speak up. I think that, you know, one of the guys that I really liked that used to a lot before he got to Michigan and now he's, you know, just trying to make sure he, he does his job at a high level. Um, it's Josh Gaddis. He used to put a ton of stuff out there and, and now he's not putting as much stuff out there, you know, but he's got himself to the pinnacle. He's just got to, he's just got to finish the job now up there. Yeah. You, you know, you mentioned um, Gus, you know, coaching at the high school level and other guys that have kind of, 
climbed up the ranks, so to speak. And and I think about stories of, you know, I, I've read stories. I know he's kind of clandestine, so to speak, but of, of, of Bill Belichick going to watch high school f- football games or high school lacrosse games or, you know, just places you wouldn't think of him and just trying to always uncover that, that next thing or turn over, leave, you know, leave no stone unturned. So I I really like how you kind of integrate that. And you're also um, just, just building something and with guys that are maybe at a lower level, or maybe you're taking a chance on guys that, like you said, might get passed over. So you know, I really admire that. I really, I really appreciate that. You know, from a a coach like you, who's kind of climbed up those ranks. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't easy. I mean, I had a lot of you know before before people tell you congratulations, they're going to call you crazy. You know, there's a lot of jumps and moves and shifting and trying to find a way and, and getting there. But you know, all the steps that you take, I mean lead you to your lead you to where you're going you know and it's kind of you, you know like coach london i met him because me and his son were on the dolphins together i asked his son can i get uh your dad's information because i really want to put my team in his seven on seven tournament but i couldn't really i was thinking like i had taken over an zero and 10 team that hadn't had a winning season in 20 some years and like there's no way he's going to let me in this tournament and I asked him and, you know, then we went there and we beat everybody. And then he was like, man, one day I'm going to hire you as a coach. And then boom, he calls me out of the blue when he's at, when he gets, when he gets the Howard job. And it's like, you ready to be an offense coordinator, run those plays you're running in high school? And I was like, man, I had all my stuff together. I was ready to go, you know, and the opportunity arose. And so, you know, every day is an interview and, you know, you just never know. You have a, you have a chance to do something great and be around great people. You, you know, you just have to jump at those opportunities. All right, let's finally get to um, Pittsburgh in specific because, you know, obviously you get hired as the wide receivers coach this offseason. So without giving away too much, obviously, how do you expect to integrate some of these go-go concepts into the offense at Pittsburgh this year? I think the biggest thing, you know, people always talk about the offense and the scheme and all that, and and it's important and it's good. But the thing that – the kind of the things that – have made the system go um, is the things that I've, that I've integrated. And it's more about the people's people element of it, you know, changing the hearts and minds of the players and their spirits. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, that I think that when, when coach interviewed me and he saw the way that I developed players and how I got players with less talent to play harder than players with better talent and beat them, you know, I think that's one of the things that got me the job. So you know, like coach me and coach Narduzzi always joke because he's like, man, you're tough. You know, like the guys play extremely tough and they and they had it in the past as far as on offense. You know, Pitt is known for defense. Um, but I, I think you'll see a, a tougher brand of football from the offense at Pitt this year, just from the standpoint of like there's no option. Like you won't play. If you're, if you're not going to be tough, like we always talk about how you play without the ball determines how much you love your teammates. And so <laughs> how we get the guys connected, you know, um, I got a couple of these from some coaches that I worked with out in California. And it was like, you know, everybody stood up and 
they do like these accountability cards. So players say their goals that came from Dale Sal, right? And then one coach made everybody say their story. So then everybody was connected through their story. But I broke it down into you say the three worst things that happened to you, the three best things that happened to you, your goals, long-term, short-term, and then your why. And so when you talk about UNLV and how we had the biggest upset in college football history at, at, uh, at Howard, um, one of the players, Hutch, his mom had passed away a couple weeks before the season. He got up in front of the team and said his mom was his why and, you know, his mom was his everything to him. And so he decided to play in the game and he was walking past me. You know, we were losing 21 to 33 in the third quarter, I believe. And he, he walked past me and I just looked at him and I go, man, your mom ain't going to let us lose. And we, we huddled up and we, we all had a moment where we teared up real quick. We prayed and, and we went out there and just freaking start rolling. I mean, just start ringing points off and going up and down the field. And we ended up winning the game. And at the end of the game, we hugged like, told you, man, your mom ain't going to let us lose. You know, and I think those are the things that really make the plays go. Any, any, any coach that I've been around that's like a big time coach and can get his players to play, I'm talking about without like, you know, all five stars and four stars. I'm talking about a guy who can really get them to play. The players are connected and they love each other and they care. And I think that's the one thing where we've really came together at Pitt and it's going to make the plays go, go you know, the plays will be better because the players will be making sure, you know, they won't let their teammate down. It, it's not a selfish thing. It's a whatever it takes for us to win, we'll, we'll, we'll band together and do it. So um, I think that's the biggest element of what I brought to Pitt. Um, you know, as far as schemes and plays, I think people don't give Coach Whipple enough credit as far as, you know, he, he's one of the best pass game guys I've ever been around. I've never seen as many pass concepts that are simplified and easy for the quarterback to understand. I, I mean, he really is a, a savant when it comes to that. Um, and, and we really agree on, you know, a lot of vertical shots and things like that down the field. So there will be a lot of a lot of new elements to the offense. but you know, that's that's kind of where what I look forward to is seeing how hard the guys play for each other and them really selling out like like the defense does, because that's what Coach Narduzzi's had his job so long for at Pitt and why he's known as one of the great defense coordinators when he was at Michigan State and Cincinnati, other places that he's been is because of how hard those guys play. I mean, our defense plays hard and our offense is now matching that. Coach, you know, bringing it kind of full circle, you started at Pitt, you, you went out west, you came back. What has it been like coming back home and, and coaching, you know, in, in your home area? I mean, it, it, I think it's very personal to me from the standpoint that I've always wanted to be at Pitt. You know, my, my grandma worked at Pitt for a long time. She graduated from Pitt, my mother's mom. Um, you know, I've always wanted to you know, ever since that special Larry Fitzgerald season, you know, when you see Pitt as a kid growing up, I mean, that was my really first, really memories of Pitt. You know, everybody talks about the Dan Marino days and a lot of stuff, but I wasn't born yet. So, you know, when Larry Fitzgerald and all those guys were rolling, Rod Rutherford, Tyler Palco, you know, when they, when they had a lot of success in those days, you know, that's the goal is to get it back to where Pitt's not just known for its defense, but also its offense and, you know, winning championships and, you know, really get back to the forefront of college football because Pittsburgh is a football town. You know, we love football here. There's not, you know, 
a woman or a man. I mean, it'd be hard. If you don't know football, it's hard to live in Pittsburgh. I mean, everybody loves football here. So um, it's very important to the people here. It's very important to, to me. And it's great to be back home and get an opportunity to try to make the home team uh, great. Um, thank you very much for doing this. I am very much looking forward to not only you rising up the coaching ranks, but also Pittsburgh this year and what you could bring to the table there. And really, um, like you said, change the dynamic of the offense and make it like the defense, like a tough nosed team. So uh, coach, thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Very much looking forward to um, talk to you in the future. All right. Thank you, man. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate it, coach.